to Chris and Reggie's Cosmic Treadmill, where we like to go back to the past and read a DC comic from their yesteryear of publishing. You can hear us every week on the WeirdScienceDCComics.com podcast, which is what you're listening to right now. This week we're going to talk about Superman number 233 uh, from January 1971. The story's titled Superman Breaks Loose, but this is really part of a larger story arc called Kryptonite Nevermore. Written by Denny O'Neill and art by Kurt Swan and Murphy Anderson, and that applies for every book in this uh, that we're going to be talking about here. So uh, dust off your saddle shoes and put the kids to bed because there's a new Superman in town, and he's got fewer conflicts than ever. When all of the kryptonite on Earth is turned to iron and Morgan Edge hires Clark Kent to be a broadcast journalist, it appears that Superman's star has only to rise, except for a patch of irradiated sand has turned into a gritty facsimile of Superman himself, beginning a long story arc that fans have lovingly dubbed The Sandman Saga, or Kryptonite Nevermore. I'm not sure why they call it Kryptonite Nevermore. Do, do you know why, Chris? I think it was just a, I think it was just a nice cover blurb. Um, I, I, I think mean, that's just what it, I think it's the more the fanish name for it. I got a uh, well, it seems like the fans call it the Sandman saga, but maybe they that's changed right. it because when you think of Sandman, you think of you know uh, Morpheus, Neil, yeah, or... Neil Gaiman's run. <laughs> uh, yeah, because even the trade is called Kryptonite Nevermore, isn't it? Th- that might be where it came from. I, I've never heard of it. I mean, I you know we'll talk about another one later where they had a story called Kryptonite No More, so maybe they yes. could they couldn't call it that. Uh, just just full disclosure, uh, I got this issue from. The DC Comics Classics Library Trade Edition called Superman Kryptonite Nevermore, and Chris is reading a reprint of this issue that he has. I'm not I've, sure. Yeah, the, it's the, the Millennium Edition that, okay. that came out around 99 when they were reprinting a lot of their uh, Silver and Bronze Age, Bronze Age stuff. Yeah, so uh, we're not looking at the original articles here, but uh, you know we we do the best that we can. So that that's uh, that's. Why I'm calling it Kryptonite Nevermore, I guess, but who knows how uh, ubiquitous that is. Anyway, let's let's sure. talk about the people involved. Yeah, we got uh, this one's written by Denny O'Neill. He was born May 3rd, 1939. Graduated from St. Louis University in the early 60s with degrees in creative writing, English, and philosophy. So a very learned man. Oh yeah. Uh, joined the Navy afterwards. Uh, after his stint there, he wrote a column for the for his local newspaper from uh, Cape Girardeau, Missouri. Um, he was enticed to uh, take Marvel's writing test by uh, longtime Marvel guy uh, Roy Thomas, who at that uh, time had to be a new time Marvel guy. I would, I, I would I think, think so. Right yeah, because this is uh, six. Yeah, because he wasn't uh, he wasn't as prolific until a little bit later on in the sixties. No, yeah. Well, basically, taking over for Stan. Took a back yeah. Seat, yeah. <laughs> um, now, Roy was born in uh, Jackson, Missouri. And uh, he wrote, uh, among among many other things, he wrote uh, Doctor Strange, Rawhide Kid, and uh, X Men. Uh, this is the X Men from the first 66 issues, the uh, pre All New World difference. Um, brought uh, Professor X back in, in issue number 65 in February 1970, and that was drawn by uh, Neil Adams. So uh, it all comes together right. here with. It all uh, comes full circle in a weird sure. roundabout way. And uh, he was hired at DC to help, you know, pull the uh, characters into the more so this, modern this era. This Denny O'Neill. We're this talking Denny, about yeah, again, yeah, back to Denny, yeah. And uh, let's see here. Among the things he did there, he uh, he was on Wonder Woman and he depowered her and uh, turned her into an international spy with a hyper Asian assistant, Ai Ching. That's right. Is this when she was wearing like the white bodysuit? That's exactly it. Yeah, that's when she wore the, the white bodysuit. And you know, yeah. he thought Denny O'Neill later on said that maybe that wasn't one of his best ideas, but at the time he thought it was going to be a very feminist 
thing, you know, just like here's mm-hmm. a woman, she doesn't even need her powers, she can yeah. you know, do it all by herself. But apparent, what he didn't realize was that a lot of women really like Wonder Woman. Wonder Woman as Wonder Woman. <laughs> <So>. Yeah. <laughs> uh, he also wrote uh, the, perhaps one of his better known things is uh, the Hod Traveling Heroes uh, epic in uh, or the opening arc anyway for Green Lantern, Green Arrow, and uh, that began began in issue number seventy six and uh, it carried over from uh, Green Lantern Volume Two. Yeah. That was all drawn by the, the first part of that was drawn by Neil Adams. Yeah. Um, he was uh, brought on to see a Batman away from the uh, more campy, you know, the Bill Dozier uh, TV show, uh, and back to uh, the more dark Batman feel, you know. Yeah. And he began there on Batman number 224 in August 1970. And that was often, but not always, drawn by Neil Adams, and. Uh, See here, the perception of Denny O'Neill having a sustained run on the character is a little bit, a little bit mistelling. There, he he would write a few issues here and there. Yeah, he, he um, wrote a lot of Batman, but he didn't write yeah. a lot of consecutive Batman. I think they just stuck him on there when they needed him. Yeah, just uh, needed a little boost, or just they knew they can count on him for uh, for a real good story. Yeah. Um, and uh, he and Neil Adams, they set the tone that would prevail uh, right up until the crisis in uh, in '85. You know, I'm when you, I'm when this isn't just true of Batman, but you know, when you look at Batman, you look at some of the most memorable runs that people talk about: Steve Englehart or uh, mm-hmm. Alan Brennert. We're talking about a handful of issues. You know, we're not talking sure. about sustained multi-year runs. Uh, I don't. I think that that was. I think that that's something that grew out of kind of Stanley doing you know every book at Marvel for several yeah. years and this belief that that's a good the way, way to do done. it or the way yeah. it's done or somehow preferable. For the most part, I mean, in the 50s. You could be writing, you know, Batman today, and you could be writing Challenges of the Unknown tomorrow. It had no, there was no rhyme or reason. There was, except for Mort Weisinger on uh, Superman, mm-hmm. um, anything could happen. But anyway, this is, uh, speaking of which, um, <laughs> so editor Mort Weisinger retired in 1970 after 30 years at DC. He had basically been there since the very, very beginnings, mm-hmm. uh, or like, you know, within the first couple of years. And the Superman group, which had originally been helmed entirely by Mort Weisinger, was parceled out to four editors. Uh, just think of the, this. These books were all under the purview of one guy, and he essentially wrote uh, one of them, Superman, all by himself. But anyway, so uh, Mike Sikowski took over Adventure, Adventure Comics and Supergirl. Murray Boltonoff took over Superboy, Action Comics, and Superman's pal Jimmy Olsen. E. Nelson Bridwell, we know him as the famous guy who did the Inferior Five. and uh, Yes. All those stupid uh, comics that we love from the late 60s. Uh, he took over Superman, girl, Superman's girlfriend, Lois Lane. And Julie Schwartz took over World's Finest and Superman. And it was Julie that hired Denny O'Neill to spin his magic on Superman. Now, j- just just a, just a quick aside, too. Uh, Murray Boltonoff doing Superman's pal, Jimmy Olsen. Well, th- this year, or maybe the next year, that's when Kirby would take over that Yeah, that's comic. when Jack Kirby came in and uh, brought a lot of the uh, Fourth World stuff it, in. It, it, uh, and, you know, created it right there in the spot and, and started combining those two things. And, and even in these comics that we're talking about, Morgan Edge talks about being controlled by Darkseid. <laughs> although there's, there's not really any interaction there, but yeah. there's, <laughs> they're sowing the seeds. So there, there's... A lot of revitalization happening, and the Superman line is getting really freaking weird right now. <laughs> oh, yeah. And it's, it's always weird to look at uh, – when you look at Darkseid's first appearance and find out that it's in an issue of Jimmy Olsen. Yeah, that's I right. I mean, that's so bizarre. Yeah, I mean, it, the, the whole thing – I mean, that, that might be its own uh, cosmic tribunal someday if we <laughs> can get our own, hands yeah. on some of those. But it's, it's just interesting, uh, all the crazy changes that are happening to Superman. It was like a – 
very live, you know, low me time for the for Superman, I think. But sure. Anyway, on to the very issue in question. <laughs> yes, this is Superman number 233, uh, and uh, not supposed to judge a book by its cover, but this is one of those very, very famous and iconic covers. Yep. This is a Neil, Neil Adams-drawn cover of Superman busting through green chains, uh, presumably made out of kryptonite. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, this is, uh, like you said, this is a kind of a revitalization here, but they do not start the book over at number one. Go figure. No. Instead, they do put a giant number one on it. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Which, you know, I have no problem with. I wish they would do that more now. At least uh, give you some kind of a clue, you know, that yeah, something like, new is happening. But Yeah, this is a good time to jump on without having to restart everything. But the thing is, it's uh, a, it says number one best-selling comic magazine. It's not even saying number one anything. No. <laughs> <laughs> and, I mean, I, I, I tried doing a little bit of research, but I can't find any sales statistics for this year. So I don't know if it was, if, if this was if it worked, honesty. If it juiced the, uh, yeah, who knows? I don't know. <laughs> Indeed. And uh, let's see here. This uh, this is, you know, it has that kryptonite nevermore written there right between Superman's legs. Oh, there you go. And, yeah, there you go. That's my answer. That's where they got it from. Yes. <laughs> right there on the cover of the first issue. Ta-da. And this, uh, this orange starburst here, this has been used on a lot of Superman covers. Um, I think most recently it was on the, the cover of... Uh, the Jeff Johns, John Romita Jr. first issue. I think it was Superman number 32. Uh, you know, they had uh, that, that that wonderful orange starburst that was in, you know, just reminded me of this cover. This cover, there's been so many homages. I mean, Neil Adams just did an homage to it recently for DC <laughs> for him for a month of variants. But there are so many, you know, it's it really is one of the most iconic covers in comics history. I guarantee if you're a comics fan and you're not like... Uh, ignoring things that came out, you know, longer than 10 years ago, you've definitely seen it. It's been on packaging. I mean, you know, there's I, even a statue of it. That's right. That's the that's the one that's in Ohio, right? It basically, looks I, just like this, right? Yes, yeah, it's very very similar. And uh, I think there's actually a collectible statue too that you can that you can buy. I'm, I'm sure. You know, what's funny is actually Neil Adams has complained that he doesn't like this cover because. The uh, legs are way too far apart to be realistic. <laughs> they uh, are. And they are. His, 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 his left leg looks like it's about to like fly off or something, or it's like yeah, it's he looks being, like a bird. Yeah. It's being, it's being fried <laughs> off, but it's to, it's to contain these uh, the words kryptonite nevermore, and I think yeah. it adds a kind of balance to the image. But sure. uh, it, whatever it is, you know, whether you think it's perfect or not, you've definitely seen it. It's definitely uh, more famous than you are. So. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty much. <laughs> so, uh, so it looks like Superman's uh, getting involved in some power testing, huh? Yes, uh, and Kryptonite power packs a wallop. He gets a description here of a face full of Kryptonite. I love that, yeah. <laughs> yeah so, yeah, gets... I, I didn't write it here, but it's, it, people are doing tests uh, using Kryptonite as a power source. So, yes. Hopefully a limitless power source and Superman's on hand just to make sure everything... You know, goes okay. Goes well, yeah, and he can he can put the big dome over it in case uh, things get out of control. That's right. <laughs> uh, and somehow this uh, this these experiments here, I, I don't know if it's these experiments or just something else that happens simultaneously. Somehow all kryptonite on Earth is turned to iron. Yeah. And uh, not not uh, no longer uh, threatening to Superman. Uh, you know, that's a nice little side effect. The sure. uh, you know that we'll get no power from kryptonite, but on the plus side, there's no more kryptonite. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's also worth mentioning that when Superman gets blown back, he kind of falls into a into sandy sand. patch and leaves a depression 
leaves oh. a nice imprint of, of his, his body. body. And and his cape, too. I, lo- I like that his cape is... I, I guess that is sort of, true. It would yeah. leave some mark there, but the way the picture's drawn, it's almost like the cape has its own... Has weight. its own, sh- its <laughs> own <know>? imprint. <laughs> it was stiff, and it just created a kind of like a triangle behind him. So uh, so that's interesting. You know, Green K has uh, turned to iron. Uh, it even gets a, a headline on the Daily Planet, like, within hours. You know what I mean? This is Daily Planet. It's just the evening edition. Crank yes. it under, yeah. <laughs> the editions just keep coming. They, they are on top of it. But, of course, whether Kryptonite's there or not, Clark has to go back to work. And uh, he goes back, and, and we meet Morgan Edge of Edge Communications. It turns mm-hmm. out that he owns the Daily Planet, and he owns the WGBS Network, uh, which is a, a fake crypt, uh, Metropolis News Network. Yeah, and that's guess, weird. It's a 24-hour news station in in the early 70s. Yeah, I know. It, it's it's <laughs> it's uh, something that didn't exist for like another 20 years, really, or at least yeah, 10 with years. Uh, Ted Turner, yeah. But uh, they were very ahead of their times. I, I I really wonder about this. Also, I'm not positive, but I believe this is the first time we see Morgan Edge, although it's not the first time. I I, th- I think that I think that Daily Planet was bought by Edge Communications, but this is the first time we see. Mr. We've heard of him, but never yeah, saw him. This yeah, is, so that, this is, this like is when a, it was all yeah folded into like the Galaxy Building. Yeah, like they had the television station and the and the paper. Yeah. And that, that that would become uh, much more going on into the 70s. Uh, in fact, yeah, all the way up until the crisis. But we're basically, I think, we're seeing it laid out here. So so uh, you know, Clark, who was typically a newspaper reporter, now he's a television broadcaster, mm-hmm. and. Uh, Edge tells him you go cover this rocket launching that's going on, and I <laughs> sends him with nobody. You know what I mean? Like just gives him <laughs> he a sets camera, up his own camera, and just hop to it. Like there's there's no there's no information as to whether he even knows how to use the freaking thing. But you know, uh, I I also love to, and I, you know, I think this is definitely a uh, sign of the times. But the clothes, the the suits that Morgan Edge and uh, Clark are wearing, this like. Mm-hmm pinstripe oxford shirt with a white tie like what nope. is he in the mafia but i mean this <laughs> this was this was a long he, cigarette yeah no, it's it's a very <laughs> yeah he's got like a cigarette in a holder morgan edge yep. right here and like a, a plaid shirt underneath like yeah that is the way people would have dressed in the office in the 70s so you it's know, they like are, uh, the bob newhart show here they are updating it you know <laughs> it's a yeah right the bob newhart <laughs> so uh anyway he goes to the rocket launch and he's like oh this is gonna be rough how am i gonna change into Superman when I'm on the air, he realizes that there are commercial breaks he can change into Superman during the commercial breaks because he's just that freaking fast. Uh, while he's while he's doing his uh, setup, doing his reporting, he spies somebody kind of skulking around, looking suspicious. So when they cut to commercial break, he changes into his uh, Superman garb. And I, I always got to point it out, but they show that. Yeah. You know, and this used to be typical in all Superman comics. You would always see him change. You don't see that anymore. I don't know why. No. Uh, it just it just kind of happens from panel to panel. Anyway, he runs up on this guy uh, and says, "What are you up to?" He's actually holding an old school cell phone, which is kind of very very futuristic. Yes. Um, and the guy's like, thinks he's got a. He, he's all like smiles, got an ace in the hole. He busts out a lead line box that's as full of kryptonite rocks and says, "I've got <laughs> kryptonite." I mean, I, Wow, you know what I mean? Talk about being prepared. This guy came with a box, a shoebox full of kryptonite. You never know. You know, mm-hmm. I wonder if he had like, you know, anti-bat spray and something to uh, stop Aquaman too while he, he was at. He must it. have been a Boy Scout. <laughs> yeah, really, exactly. Be prepared. <laughs> uh, Superman takes the kryptonite from him, and this is very iconic panels. It, yeah, in front of it, in three panels, eats it, saying, hmm, "Not bad, <laughs> a trifle stale, and it could use a bit of salt." 
But all in all, a nice little snack. <laughs> I think also if Daffy Duck had come up and said, he must not have been eating his iron, that would have worked also. <laughs> that that would have been, been good, fun. too. <laughs> now, uh, let's see. This fella, he was uh, he was there signaling to uh, a couple of jets going up to take the rocket down. Mm-hmm. And uh, they were going to use the uh, technology for – they were going to try to sell the technology, right? They didn't want to take it – they didn't want to break it. They just yeah, wanted to sell the technology. I think they wanted, to, they wanted to grab the rocket and sell it yeah. to uh, foreign powers. Yeah, and they uh, these are these these ain't just little jets either. <laughs> these are these are like jumbo jets. Yeah, I, I, you know I'm not an expert. They look like Armed with they guns. look like commercial airliners. Though. Like I wonder are there, are there passengers on this thing? But maybe I'm wrong. I don't know. So you got you got uh, you know peanuts and uh, and and little bottles of wine and mounted guns. That's right. <laughs> Full service. And uh, see Superman, he realizes he's a. Uh, He's more powerful than ever. He's taking their bullets. However, he tries to blast the uh, <laughs> tries to blast the engine yeah. or one of the engines of the, these uh, planes with his heat vision, and it, it doesn't uh, it doesn't work. Um, I mean, it's still showing the little beam coming out of his eyes, but it's not. There's no power to it. Yeah, it just doesn't have enough focus, I guess. Yeah, and he's uh, he continues to fly, and he gets to that point where uh, where he landed in the sand and left a little imprint of himself, and starts to get a little woozy. He gets uh, you know, he's his powers are starting to. I don't know if his powers are necessarily starting to fade, but he's just getting real dizzy. Yeah. And uh, this is all due to the Sandman, though the Sandman Superman, who we see get up out of the impression, and it's a fully formed Superman sand critter, and yeah. he and he stomps away. And that's it, and that's how the uh, issue ends. This mysterious Superman made of sand that seems to rob Superman of his powers. There's no more kryptonite. You know, things have really changed. And mm-hmm. then we go into the actual arc here for Kryptonite Nevermore. Now, I'm going to be doing a lot of talking here because uh, yeah. I have these I've... issues collected in the DC Comics Classics Library Edition. Uh, and I was gonna, I was tried, I tried, I was gonna order that, but uh, and, and I mean it's very inexpensive on Amazon. It was only like eighteen dollars. Yeah. But it's all third-party sellers, so it's uh, so it's I, none of them had Prime, so I couldn't guarantee that they'd be here in time. Yeah, you wouldn't, you wouldn't have had it in time. But I, I will say it's this story, and even though I'm gonna reveal it, I bet this uh, whets some of your appetites to read this one yourself because it is a yeah. weirdo. Um, so yeah, you can find that. It's out of print, but you can find it on Amazon or through, yeah. you know, eBay. Probably it's not that not that difficult. No. So Superman number two hundred thirty-four. That was February nineteen seventy-one. It was titled "How to Tame a Wild Volcano." Uh, Superman heads out to Boki Island to stop an erupting volcano. Actually sent by Morgan Edge, I believe. The island is owned by a crazy evil plantation owner who keeps shooting at Superman and says, "Get out of this is my land! Get out of here!" You know and. Uh, even though all the natives have left on longboats, like the the volcano is erupting, they're pretty scared. Yes. And in this one, Sand Superman flies by a couple of times, which kind of messes him up, hinders his efforts. Uh, he basically he tries to stop the volcano two different ways and fails because uh, Sand Superman messes up his powers. But eventually he does. He saves the day. Everything is fine. Now, Superman number 235, March 1971. This one was called Sinister Scream of the Devil's Harp. This one's real weird. Musician <laughs> Ferlin Nisley, I think is how you pronounce it. Nixley? Nisley? Nixley or Nisley? I, I don't know. It's, it's a very Say it backwards. Mi- very Mizius Pitlick kind of name <laughs> yes. right here. Um, 
He gains possession of a magical harp with a devil's face on it, and it gives him individualized superpowers at the expense of Superman. So when he strums his harp and says, give me you know, super speed, he has super speed and Superman doesn't. Mm-hmm. Why it's connected to Superman, we didn't ever find out. Uh, of course, now that he's got a supervillain weapon, he's got to dress like a supervillain. he got to dress the part. So he puts on goat leggings and horns to look like a satyr, nice. and he calls himself the demigod Pan. Who is a you know goat half goat half human uh, god from I believe from Druid times. I mean it's such a weird reference. Yeah. Uh, Superman chases Sand Superman earlier in the issue, even like running across water with him and like trying to keep up with him, uh, even though he's weakened the entire time. But he's still able to like cope with it somehow. It's it's really unclear like how weak are you getting Superman? Sure. Obviously, are you getting like a nosebleed or is it <laughs> debilitating? You know what I mean? <laughs> Uh, Sand Superman saves Superman at the end by destroying the harp, and then he walks away wordlessly as Superman stands wondering what is happening and who is this guy. Uh, Superman number 236, Planet of the Angels, is the name of the story. It's from April 1971. This one doesn't contain Sand Superman, but it's really bizarre. Uh, Just really quick, um, Superman does an experiment at the Forts of Solitude that... It doesn't. It kind of brings him. Kind of shoots him across space through a wormhole, where he lands on a planet where it seems like angels are fighting demons. But he realizes that his mind has been controlled by these beings, and he's seeing the things not as they really are. And it's it's what they want him to see. It's much. You know, I'm I'm really not doing it service. But the point of the story, of why it's in here, is because throughout throughout it, you see Superman just kind of like. You know, flying through meteors, taking shots to the face. You know, he's like, he, he is feeling all powerful. And to be honest, he's getting a little cocky about it. He really is getting almost arrogant about how he can't be stopped. And, you know, he's the strongest thing ever. And uh, everyone should be on his jock, you know. So even <laughs> though you don't see Sand Superman here, this is definitely, Superman is still changing as a character and, and yeah, being a lot more progression, fresh. Yeah, yeah. Then we move into number uh, 237 from May 71. And now, I haven't read this one, but the notes are ridiculous. Uh, <laughs> I'm going to try to do it service here. I, I, I tried keeping myself away from reading this one too closely because I wanted to be I wanted to be fresh for it. Yeah, it's crazy. <laughs> this one's called Enemy of Earth. And uh, we got here, Superman rescues a jet plummeting from the upper atmosphere. Uh, the pilot keeps telling Superman not to save him. Remo- removing his helmet reveals that he's green and puffy-looking, dead from a, a space disease. Uh, Superman encounters the Sand Superman, reaches out to touch him, which causes a huge explosion, and his right hand goes numb, which is pretty crazy for Superman. Yeah. Um, he falls into an office to find uh, everyone dead from the same pulpy face disease, and he assumes that it's his fault. I, I mean, this is this is something throughout the issue, is he keeps thinking that he's the reason, and, and it turns out, you know, without giving it all away, he, he is the reason, but I never understand why he knows this. Like, why do you think you're the guy? You're the yeah, he's reason. not he's not Peter Parker. He doesn't have that guilt. I, he shouldn't, but apparently <laughs> he does. He seems to absorb it all, yeah. Yes. Now, he, he, uh, he's all scared that he's going to contaminate everybody, so he flies away. Uh, Sand Superman is hanging out, hanging around nearby, almost taunting him. Yeah. Uh, at that moment, Lois Lane's plane is forced down somewhere uh, over South America, and uh, she's doing an army—she's uh, doing a story on army ants. <laughs> like, what? <laughs> 
Like, you know, like last week you get to cover the, uh, you know, attempted assassination of a, uh, you know, monarch. And this week you cover army ants. You know, that's fine. Army ants, Why not? (laughs) Now, Superman swings in to check out the situation. Uh, Lois and her pilot, they're kidnapped by bandits. At the very same time, army ants march toward their position, devouring everything in their path. Now, obviously, uh, Superman doesn't want to intervene with Lois and the pilot because he's afraid he'll infect them. He's afraid he's going to contaminate them, so, yeah, yeah. he goes after the ants, yep. Yeah, so he tries to stop those ants, but two ants touch his foot and grow to be about four feet tall. This doesn't feel like a story from the, the <laughs> it, 70s. It doesn't, does it? It really doesn't. And when, you see the, and when you see the picture of the ants, they look like something that could have been drawn in 1958. Believe me, they're sure. like, they're like, they have like big googly eyes on them, and they look like they're going to... Shoot rocks out of their nose. It's very bizarre. Uh, Superman decides to try something. He, he throws a left jab at uh, one giant ant and a right uppercut at the other, knocking both of them out. But the one that took the jab is growing bigger, while the one that uh, he hit with his, le- his right hand is unchanged. So the one who got the left got bigger. Yeah. But uh, the, one, the one that got hit with the hand that went numb... When the when he touched, when he touched the sand Superman. Superman, but it's like what the hell is <laughs> so by you know let me try punching these two giant ants in different ways you know that's the scientific mind of Superman everybody it's 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 empirically sound <laughs> and uh, and repetition works uh, Superman flies the ants into out of space out of space and uh, he's despondent about the fact that he is now a danger to humanity. Uh, now, due to the uh, due to that unpredictable nature of this this yeah. potential space disease, yeah, I guess. It, t- it turns humans into pulp and makes ants big. You don't know what's going to happen. It's, <laughs> it's a crazy disease. He's, he's just got to start punching everything. To see what turns <laughs> up. Uh, now he uses his telescopic vision to see the bandits have knocked out uh, uh, Lois's pilot, and now she's stuck in the path of those army ants. So those army ants are heading to her. Yep. Uh, Sand Superman is also hanging out in space, which is pretty much keeping Superman himself kind of off balance. Yeah. Uh, now, somehow, Superman decides that the space infection on his right hand was cured by touching Sand Superman. So he, he goes in and then gives him a hug. <laughs> <laughs> a huge explosion sends Superman hurtling towards Earth. He lands, you know, conveniently right by Lois and the pilot. Of course. Uh Lois here is quoted as saying, Superman, what's wrong with you? Superman answers, never mind. Long story, Lois. Just hang on to my cape, tight as you can. I'm doing I'm doing the same as I've always done, saving your silly, precious life. <laughs> what a fucking <laughs> asshole. What a dick. <laughs> uh, now, Superman, he's not fully powered. He's a little bit depowered. He grabs, grabs the pilot and tells Lois to hold on to his cape, leaps over the mountain in a single bound here, like normal. Uh, he faces the bandits. Uh, the, luckily, the bullets still bounce over his chest, and uh, he bends one of their guns, uh, but it's not as easy as it usually is. Uh, he actually uh, has to put a little bit of uh, elbow grease That's into right. it. That's right. A bead of sweat does form on his temple. That's it. Yes. Yes, uh, later he meets up with the Sand Superman, who's now colored in the uh, familiar blue and red instead of just being the, you know, the beige sand color. And he speaks. At this instant, you are weakened. You will recover, but not entirely. When you do, I shall be your equal, your exact equal. I am being woven from your mind, your heart, your soul. Can you not see? I'm you. And I fear that we may not both survive. So that is definitely the pinnacle issue of it's this coming arc. to a head. Yeah, yes. I mean, it, I, it, to be honest, it never get, it gets wacky at the end too, as we'll see. But it never gets this crazy. It's this one issue. I mean, there's like <laughs> there's like eight things happening in this issue, and you got your comics were not 120 pages in those days, folks. No. They, they were still a lean 20 or 22, whatever they were. 
So, uh, yeah. And, as a matter of fact, panel. now that I think about it, all these books, one thing I should mention, they all had a backup. So, <laughs> yeah. So they actually were like 16 pages or something. Because <laughs> yeah, even the reprint comes with a backup. Yep. They, they, I, they, my edition doesn't have the backups, but I know they were all in there. So, mm-hmm. you know, you, all this stuff is fit in a, in a pretty short space, and it's, it definitely is very madcap. Uh, it goes on to Superman number 238, June 1971, Menace at 1,000 Degrees. This cover is by Carmen Infantino. Uh, Neil Adams did most of the covers of the of the books we're talking about. I think two of them were not done by him. This is one of them. But he did none of the interiors, just the covers. Um, to pick Superman pleading with Sans Superman. So it's sort of the cats out of the bag. Sans Superman was, did, did feature on... The second in this arc, the uh, the one that was about the volcano, but mm-hmm. this time he's really this interaction. He's like become his own character, I think. Uh, this one is a pretty innocuous, tame story. Superman takes out some oceanic terrorist criminals. There's a whole thing with a magma power source. I, I don't really, I didn't really want to get into it, but mm. uh, the point of this story really is that it shows Superman really at his his 1938 power levels the whole time. He can't fly. You don't see him use any of the heat vision, you know. He's just sort he's of like pushing planets out of the orbit. Definitely no. not doing any of that, you know. Yeah, he's, he he takes a bunch of uh, <laughs> shots from a, from a boat at one point, and like it, it sort of it, it takes it out of him. He doesn't die. He doesn't, you know. But he talks about how it's it's left him winded. You know what I mean? Now he's got to uh, wait for the Coast Guard to come and wrap it up. Mm. So that's sort of the point of this one. San Superman does hang around. Uh, he's he's at the Fortress of Solitude. And Superman goes over there to ask him, can you help me thwart these uh, pirates? And Sans Superman flat out refuses. He says, understand me. Although I am woven from your mind, your heart, your very soul, I am my own creature. I am not human. The affairs of mankind mean nothing to me. Uh, And for some reason in this issue, I'm going to say a coloring gaffe. Hmm. Sans Superman seems to have lost a lot of his red and blue that he had in the last <laughs> issue. Uh, but yeah, I think that was just, you know, the colorists uh, didn't get the message or something. Sure. Uh, we go on to Superman number 240, July 1971. This is to save a Superman. And now we are coming to uh, the last act, I would say, in Kryptonite Nevermore. So now Superman is still, he's somewhat depowered. Um, seems to have a little, little more power, but he still is not using his... Uh, heat vision or super breath or any of that stuff. Uh, he saves everyone from burning skyscraper. Uh, everyone lives, but he isn't strong enough to keep the building from toppling down. He tries, kind of puts his back against it, but he, he just doesn't have the strength and it falls down. And people are actually making fun of him. Uh, Morgan Edge, Jeez. Morgan Edge definitely, they wanted him to be the J. Jonah Jameson of the uh, of Metropolis. At this point, he was, he was going to write a bunch of incendiary articles about Superman, which is something he kind of keeps up through a lot of the 70s. Uh, they kind yeah. of make up towards the end for whatever reason. Because yeah, Perry was, uh, I think Perry White was too much of a lovable character. Oh, to, yeah, uh, I mean, he was, like, he, he was like a Superman booster, too. I mean, yeah. you know what I mean? He like, was like, like a father figure. Exactly. Yeah. Like he's got to turn around and decide he doesn't like Superman all of a sudden. <laughs> so, uh, also, but people on the street are just saying. They're taunting him. People are actually freaking taunting Superman in the street. I mean, it's hilarious. Like, a couple of construction workers are like, Hey, Superman, you drop any buildings lately? <laughs> it's like, this is fucking Superman, dude. You know what I mean? Like, he's he's only saved the planet like five dozen times. Can he, I think he can drop one building. We can, we can let him go with that. Uh, the best is the anti-Superman gang is thrilled with this development. Now, the anti-Superman gang is like such a Silver Age... 
Constant. It's uh, yeah. The whole. I mean, it, it, a lot of these teams had their anti. There was an anti-Batman Crusaders. I think I know the challenges. Challenges of the unknown had the uh, anti-Chals or something like that. So wow. Challenger haters. That's what it was. Yeah. yeah, same kind of thing. So it's like. <laughs> Um, so for reimagining to pull these guys out is really hilarious. Uh, they decide, you know, they can tell that Superman's depowered or something's wrong with him. So they they decide to rob a bank with a tank, and they're able to shoot him out of the sky and knock him out with the, with wow. this tank. So the you know they're like, wow, make hay while the sun shines. <laughs> now we get a little crossover. Uh, we talked about this, this before, but uh, you know, Wonder Woman had been depowered and was now just Diana Prince. Super spy, and she had a kind of an attaché, this uh, hyper-Asian fellow named Ai Ching, who had a, the wisdom of the ancient Orient, you know. He definitely had, he, I don't think he had a Fu Manchu, but he definitely had a wizened, wrinkled, uh, racist, <laughs> racist Asian <laughs> face. Um, so they visit they visit Clark Kent at WGBS. Uh, actually, just Ai Ching does, I'm sorry. Diana Prince isn't there. And Denny O'Neill wrote this book too, remember, so he's just using mm-hmm. his own characters to cross over. Uh, tells him to come by that evening, I'll give you back your powers, and there's an informant for the anti-Superman gang overhears it. So when Kent goes later on, and they start, I Ching begins this magical rite that seems to lift a spirit, a ghost, out of Superman's body, the anti-Superman gang attacks, and they start beating on Superman's body, actually drawing bruises and, like, a little bit of blood out of his nose, or, you know, he just looks, he's actually hurting him. Up, yeah. But Superman is, wakes up and is able to beat the crap out of them without any powers, and he actually feels <laughs> pretty good about it, you know, that, because, you know, Superman, even without his powers, he's a pretty buff dude, let's face he's it. He's a big guy, yeah. Uh, moving along to Superman, you, 241, August 1971, this is called The Shape of Fear. This picks up immediately from the last one, the first panel, they're in I Ching's sanctum, with the hoodlums laying on the ground unconscious, so it's, you know, seconds later. Uh, then I Ching actually does raise spirit, Superman's spirit from his body and tells it to find his powers. Uh, the spirit finds San Superman in a band shell in Metropolis Park, and it's hard, you know, I, I can't really say what's happening. It seems like San Superman's attracted to Superman's spirit, or... <laughs> Maybe it goes on its own will. You know, like a lot of this story, I'm not 100% sure what happens, but when they combine, uh, there's a big explosion, and San Superman falls to the ground, weakened, while the spirit flies back to Superman. Uh, a lot of word Superman here, but I hope, hope you guys yeah. can follow <laughs> along here. Um, so Superman's spirit goes back to Superman, and he's all strong again. And to test that, he bends the steel girder. He rips the doctor's door off its hinges. He punches a meteor into pebbles. So one would think that if you can fly into space and live, you you're got, okay. You got your powers back. You, yeah. you know what I mean? Like I'd say you're pretty, you're pretty good. <laughs> uh, he builds a prison at super speed around a purse snatcher, and it really is hilarious. He like gets a gets like a gravel truck and <laughs> spreads the gravel. Then he gets a, a cement truck and like puts a, a foundation down. I mean, he literally builds an entire small prison around this guy as he's running away. And he, and he also, uh, at, you know, the military is nice enough to shoot him, and he takes some anti-aircraft artillery right to the chest, and he's fine. So, the Superman's back, folks. You know, just as strong as he ever was. Uh, uh, even and there's still no kryptonite. Uh, Diana Prince and I Ching read about Superman's exploits with some concern. I Ching thinks he may have suffered brain damage during his fight last issue, and he only thinks he has his powers back, which, as you'll see, is a really weird thing to say. Yeah. Uh, I Ching with Diana uses a magic globe to track down San Superman, and then they find him, and San Superman tells his story. 
When the explosion that turned kryptonite on Earth happened, it temporarily opened a portal to the dimension of Quarm. Mists from Quarm settled on Superman's body and then in, into the sand depression he created when he landed post-explosion, so he became Sand Superman? Like, sure. Is that an explanation? Did that make sense to everybody? Like, oh, okay. Oh, it was it was mist from Quorm. I wonder if these are related to Terrigen mist. Do you think they're the yeah, same? He, he might be an inhuman. Yeah. You think, yeah, you think it might be the, uh, the two mists to, from different worlds? <laughs> same mist, two names or something? Um, yes. Now he's dying while Superman is more robust than ever, so I guess it isn't brain damage. Like, why oh. did I Ching even say that? Like, it's just a weird throwaway. Yeah, like if it didn't end with like Superman still sitting, like drooling all over himself, or something, or like you know, or or like severely injured by the fact that he tried to fly into space and punch a meteor. Like you think, you think he'd be lying on the on like the ground outside of a tall building, like freaking out. (laughs) So uh, Diana and Iching take Sand Superman to Clark Kent's apartment to confront Superman, and when Superman sees him, he's like, "Yikes!" and flies out the window. Sand Superman takes after him, and uh, but Sand Superman says, you know, it's probably just as well we didn't come in contact here because when we do, it's going to cause a massive explosion. So mm-hmm. it's it's nice that you guys brought them together. Like, why? What, what is the point of this? It's it's really strange. Uh, the quorum mists are still lurking around all of a sudden, and there's a uh, parade happening in in Metropolis's Chinatown. And it brings the statue of a Chinese warlord, which is actually called an Oriental warlord. And I always love to uh, love to see little racist tidbits like that. Sure. Uh, brings it to life. It causes mayhem. It's beaten crap at everything. And uh, Sand Superman's presence is enough to weaken Superman so that he falls before this racist caricature. Now we are at the final issue of Kryptonite Nevermore. Superman number 242, September 1971. The Ultimate Battle. The Warlord statue just beats the snot out of Superman, throws him against a car, hurls him over his head, and uh, seems to take his power. It's not clear why, you know, all of a sudden it's just taking powers all of a sudden. Yeah. So uh, two hoods from out of nowhere, probably from the anti-Superman gang, just run up and start clocking Superman. It's hilarious. (laughs) Like in the middle of everything. And this giant, this giant, you know, Asian Warlord is still right there kind of just watching well, these two guys. Good. These two guys are just like you know, punch them in the face and like a, you know, give them a noogie and whatever, give them an Indian burn. Uh, they had so they decided to hang out with the warlord statue. They got a, they had kind of common interest to commit some petty crimes uh, while Superman is rushed to the hospital. And these two guys actually sit on the shoulders of the warlord while he walks around town. Like he's just kind of got like two buddies, two parrots on his shoulder. Uh, somehow I Ching understands everything as you might have expected, and he says. Ancient texts such as the Book of Cthulhu speak of an alternate dimension called Quorum, inhabited by creatures without form. When these formless ones cross into our plane of existence, they often become the shape of that which they first encounter. They also drain any extraordinary powers from those they meet. It's like, oh. So that's the... the, the perfect the, sense. The mystery is we were missing a huge chunk of information. That's really what the <laughs> mystery is here. Uh, the hoods are cruising around town committing petty crimes with their demon. They call him a demon. And uh, they decide, you know, Superman's still prone in the hospital. I mean, let's go visit the hospital to kill him. And then for some reason, he gets his powers back. Again. What? what why? I don't really know. Um, beats the hell out of them. Is able to dispense with the hoods and the, uh, you know, warlord pretty easily. But then we get the final showdown between Superman and Sand Superman. The moment that Chris has been waiting for. Sand Superman says, I want life. 
I want to continue existing. I want to help people as you have done. I want to be Superman, and so you must die. Mm-hmm. And so I Ching sets it up, does little wooshy wooshy magic, and so they can fight fight without sapping each other's power back and forth the whole time, which is apparently what happens when you're from Quorm. You just mm-hmm. like powers are coming out of your body like uh, you know snot rockets. Uh, their fight ultimately destroys the world, leaving Superman in space sobbing. Uh, you know, watching Superman cry is never a good thing, but this really no. is him racked with sobs, tears pouring down his face. Turns out it was all a trick. It was all a prank played by I Ching to teach Superman a lesson. And Sans Superman just leaves. That's it. Goes through a dimension. He's gone. Everything is fine. And everything is back to normal. Uh, kind of <laughs> ends like someone cut a fart in the room. We don't really, you know, it's kind of bizarre. Um, yeah. And that's that. <laughs> that's the end of Kryptonite Nevermore. And it seems like we, we might have missed an issue here. Uh, Superman number 239. That's right. If uh, eagle, eagle-eared listeners will notice that yes, we did not mention that. We, that. that we did not mention that one. That's uh, July 1971. And that was uh, skipped because it was an issue just – it was full of reprints, uh, including a uh, Titano the Super Ape story and uh, the showdown between Luther and Superman, where they actually uh, they actually go to a planet under a red sun and they, they box. Yeah. Yeah, and kind of like a Superman and a, a old Muhammad Ali there. Yeah, it's like four years before that happened, but you know. Yeah. I guess it's not that it's not that crazy of a plot line. Like, how else nah. are you gonna fight Superman when you're a human? You pretty much have to. That's the way I thought they. That's the way I thought they should have done. Uh, conceived a child with a Lois. <laughs> that <laughs> makes sense. Yeah. Moved to a red sun planet, let her stay there for the whole uh, gestation period, and so he does. She doesn't get a whole kick through her. The, 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 and, the thing uh, is, though, under the red sun, he's he has no stamina. Stamina, you know what I mean? <laughs> Just getting it up is tough. He's like, oh, come tough, on, yeah. you know. Let me let me look at this magazine for a while. <laughs> and uh, Carrie Bates scripted uh, Superman number uh, 243, and it pretty much wipes away everything here. Yeah. Uh, and to, Kryptonite is is brought back to being a threat. I mean, you know, a lot of times there are retcons that happen, and they happen over a couple of issues or like half a year. This yeah, literally four weeks the, later. the very next issue. <laughs> screw that whole storyline you just read. It was too stupid for words, and uh, it just wiped away by the next writer. Yeah, it's before we had Elseworlds. That's <laughs> right. Like, crap, this still counts somehow. We gotta fix this. Um, now, uh, the Sandman. Uh, yeah, I don't know if we saw any more of him in the pre-Crisis world. I don't think we did. I don't believe Do we? we did. No. But uh, uh, we have a little bit of a reintroduction to the Sandman character in the post-Crisis. And the first one we're going to talk about here, it's it's kind of uh, it's kind of an ancillary uh, title here, uh, or an ancillary chapter in this kind of a discussion. It's Adventures of Superman number 443 from August 1988, which was written by Jerry Ordway with art by John Statema, and uh, basically Superman fights a sand creature. And uh, this was, this story was originally intended for a, a 1988 Superman annual. That was used to uh, used to, as a fill-in here or as a filler. Uh, I've heard a few different uh, a few different theories as to why, and uh, most of them really focus on John Byrne leaving the super titles, and they just needed something to fill it. Yeah. Uh, and this is a longer issue. This is 30 pages, no no ads. Oh, so wow. it's a. Uh, yeah, so it's uh, it's pretty telling. Now, like I said, no, not no real association with the Sandman Superman, but it's usually brought up in the conversation. I think it's a lot of it is fan theorizing and postulation. Well, he, um, he, fight, he fights sand beings. Yeah, right? and he goes to a different dimension. Yeah. 
So, Which um, I don't know if that's if that's was a qualm. Quorum, <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, yeah I don't know if that's. Folks. Yes, I don't know if that's maybe the post-crisis version of that. Um, a very poor issue, in my opinion. It yeah. was just not 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 hot. Um, but then a few years later, in Superman Special Number One, it's a 1992 special written and drawn by Walt Simonson. This is a flat-out homage to the O'Neill story. I mean, it even down to certain panels being repeated. Yeah. The, uh, the you know Superman chowing down on the kryptonite rock and saying, "I need salt," is in there. Um, now the same same deal. Sand Sand doppelganger Superman siphons a bit of his power. Uh, the cover itself, uh, instead of saying Kryptonite Nevermore, it says Kryptonite No More. Which I think and, is how I must have seen it. You know, because like I said, my, to my memory, that's the, that's what the name of the story was at first. Mm-hmm. And then I was obviously wrong, but I think I think I must have conflated this with the original somehow. No, oh, it's mind. easy to do, yeah. yeah. And in this one, uh, it. Trying to make it more an actual Superman story rather than a science fiction story that just happens to have Superman in it. Lex Luthor is the one behind uh, behind the kryptonite neutralization here. He's trying to synthesize it for his own means, and he accidentally makes it makes it into iron. Wow, it almost makes some kind of sense. <laughs> yes. <laughs> now this uh, the sand skinned energy parasite. He appears to die at the end. And what's interesting about this is this kind of opened up a uh, possibility for a, like a get out of jail free card among fans for uh, you know a few months later Doomsday hit you know the yeah. death of Superman story happened and uh, people you know theorized that you know kind of like uh, what happened uh, across the street at Marvel it wasn't the it wasn't the real Superman who survived this it was the Sand Superman it was who survived Ben Riley yeah yeah Ben Riley got killed by <laughs> Doomsday uh, so uh, you know with Superman somewhere in stasis and uh, very interesting theory I miss that kind of talk nowadays everything is spoiled so far in advance yeah, now no, we don't have that anymore. It. Um, now, uh, Walt Simonson himself, he ultimately shot this down, uh, said the story was commissioned way too far in advance to have anything to do with that story. Uh, he just took a little bit longer working on it, which is why it was released in, in such close conjunction here. It was originally intended for Superman Annual Number 3 from 1990. Oh. And, uh, yeah, because I think, like, 88, 89, and 90, or 89, 90, and 91, there were no annuals. Um, That's because Walt Simonson was dragging his feet. That's it. <laughs> dragging his pencil. And uh, you know, newer listeners, some new Fifty Two listeners here uh, might uh, might remember the Sand Superman showing up in Action Comics Futures End Number One with a nice moving cover, where uh, you tilt it one way at Superman, you tilt it the other at Sandman Superman. That's right. That happened November of 2014, and this is five years later, as as the entire story, the series was. Uh, Clark is off on walkabout, trying to grow some plants on infertile land. The Sandman critter uh, presents itself to him, trying to inspire him to get back into the heroing game, or threatens to take over himself, I believe. I believe so, yeah. And ultimately, the Sandman Superman, Superman sacrifices itself, fertilizes the land. You see, you know, little buds coming out of the ground, and it's beautiful. Oh, it's it's it's. And so, just like everything from the future's end, it was never talked about ever again. Like it just it happened in the, in a vacuum, and no one gave a shit. I mean, that, that version of Superman didn't make it five more years, did he? That's, he definitely didn't. <laughs> it's, 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 I don't know, you know, in the end it was all wiped away because uh, Tim Drake went back in time. The whole thing was so yeah. poorly mishandled. But it was nice to see Sand Superman back again. And I remember yeah. I remember saying, like, oh, man, it's the Superman from Kryptonite Nevermore. And I was really disheartened that so nobody many people else. online, knew, knew nobody knew what I was talking about. Didn't even, I don't think they even mentioned the uh, Walt Simonson one. 
Which I guess, you know, it's no big crime. You don't have to go back and read your old comics. But, you know, we here on the Cosmic Treadmill, we like when you do it's that. It's kind of so. our gimmick. It's kind of our thing. <laughs> Um, if that's your thing, or if it's not your thing, or if you want to tell us what we got wrong, or suggest another comic to read, uh, you should definitely write us, write to us at weirdsciencedccomics at gmail.com. Um, if you want to follow me on Twitter, I'm at Reggie Reggie. And I'm at Ace Comics. And I'm going to tell you, every week, and especially this week, you should go check out Chris's blog. Chris is on infiniteearths.blogspot.com. Uh, you just reviewed that Ordway yeah, issue, Adventures right? 443. Yeah, um, I did that one. And today. you know, you you might see this uh, Kryptonite, this very issue, uh, Superman number 233, show up pretty soon. I have a feeling. Uh, but really, every day there's a new review for a DC comic. Really very entertaining. Often weird stuff that you would not expect to uh, see reviewed yeah. necessarily. <laughs> uh, the nobody, nobody, nobody's asking for these. <laughs> yeah, nobody, nobody asked, nobody wanted, but here they are. Uh, but really, go, go check that out and uh, definitely send us a note, let us know what you think. And uh, I think that's it for us this week. We got anything else for the people, Chris? No, I think we've, uh, I think we've gone on long enough. I think we have. So from the... Uh, <laughs> Depths of Quarm, we want to tell you to keep it on the cos the treadmill cosmically. See ya.